0: Welcome to episode 101 of Retro Encounter, the RPG fan podcast where we play older games. I'm your host, Caitlin Argyros, links is there are all on the board, and it's been a while since I've done a normal Retro Encounter episode, but I had to be here because this month we are playing Final Fantasy twelve, my absolute favorite Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy I will defend unto death, but I don't have to defend it alone because I am joined by two... Awesome friends of mine. We have Peter Demabs treasonberg
1: <laughs> Them abs indeed. Oh, but they don't look as weird in this version. Uh, uh, Peter Triesenberg, I have Fury on the boards. How's it going, everybody?
0: And Robert, I'll Zodiac your age, Fenner.
2: Whoa, um, RPG fans, very own Marquis Desaad here. Pleased to be here, Towns Marty, on the boards.
1: So, somewhere, Rob, just like had a note got a nosebleed. Like whatever it is <laughs> every time we say Marquis <laughs> it feels pain.
0: Don't believe Andor's lies.
1: I'm Captain Bosch of Dalmasca. Oh my god, that's
2: what a treat. It's that it has uh, aged so wonderfully.
1: I forgot how funny that part was <laughs>
0: It was amazing, especially when no one listens to him. Like you get one person
1: heard you, and <laughs> yeah. You're like, or, sad you face. Accident, you accidentally say it within a earshot of one of the guards, and then uh, your whole thing just goes down, and it's like no,
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay, so I mean, like I said, really excited that we are playing and talking about Final Fantasy XII so, since it's, it has a very special place in my heart. So I thought that we would start this episode, of course. Sort of discussing um, what our history is with the game, because I think all of us are playing the remaster, the Zodiac Age, is that correct?
2: Yep, that's correct. Well, speak for yourself. Uh, I'm a purist. No, I, no, I'm lying. I'm playing the Zodiac Age.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've all played the original, though, correct? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Don't that don't that anyway.
0: Okay. So... How has it been going? Like, uh, how, what was your impression of the original game when it came out? And how is it, how are you feeling it now that we're playing this beautiful remaster?
1: Speaking for myself, I didn't play 12 when it first came out. Um, I played it a couple years later. Um, I kind of went through this kick in high school where I like played through the whole Final Fantasy series in reverse order. Um, So I played 13 when it came out, and then 12, and then 10. I enjoy. I really enjoyed it at the time, um, although it was a little slow paced. It took me, um, I think, about three months um, to time, and that was when I was in high school and I actually had free time. Uh, and I, I remember at the time, I, I I was kind of on the. I didn't. I, I liked. I liked it well enough, but I was kind of on the uh, fresh off of the. Uh, you know, it's just returning the Jedi. But um, playing it now, I'm really like appreciating it a lot more, and the small fixes and stuff they make in Zodiac Age really smooth out the experience. Fast forward button—it's—it's it's everything I ever wanted, and I never I ever want to play a game without it again.
0: <laughs> Hashtag every RPG should have a turbo button.
2: Exactly. Yeah, for real.
1: And especially because I mean, I mean, and, well, we might get into this later, but I mean, I think twelve is a fairly grindy game. Like, it's not too bad compared to some, but it's still like there's a lot of like I I I tend to gravitate towards like running around and fighting a lot of enemies because I want to get that loot so I can get that gill so I can get better equipment and pay for license license points. So, I think
2: there's um a kind of satisfying rhythm to the grind in this game. It feels like yeah. you're doing more than just. You know, padding, because you've got those cool um, encyclopedia entries that you unlock by defeating enough foes and and just like the speediness and, and just being out in that big semi open world, I think it lends itself very nicely to the formula in in ways that other grindy RPGs don't necessarily.
1: Yeah, and the game actively rewards you for doing it. Um the loot drops right. get better the more of the same type of enemies you kill. Um, and you're always getting license points, which go, which I mean, which I mean, again, again, that's one of the twelve's biggest innovations, is mm-hmm. its level up system. But it's just, yeah, even even at it's grindy, S12 always feels like it's always a rewarding gameplay experience. That's what I'm finding, at least.
0: So, Rob, what's your history with the game?
2: Uh, I played when it was uh, current. Um I think I bought. I like. I just quit my job and I went to university. And like with my last paycheck, I think I bought Final Fantasy XII, and an Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. So I was kind of going between the two, alternating. But um, around the time that Final Fantasy XII came out, like honestly, my interest in the Final Fantasy series was waning. Ten uh, didn't do a lot for me. Um, I, I actually spoke to Peter in a in a previous podcast and saying that the ps3 uh remake collection like really brought me around on that game but um my my first impression with 10 was not good and i didn't have a computer good enough to run 11 so i was like well maybe the series just isn't for me anymore but i bought 12 just to see like how different it was because i was hearing such interesting things out of japan and i was pretty blown away by it i was like this is bar none, some of the best like writing and dialogue that the series has ever seen, and maybe any JRPG has ever seen. So um, I absolutely loved it. I kind of found the gamut system, system a little bit confusing, and to this day, I still do. Um, I'm, I'm not so great at configuring my characters, but I don't know. Like I don't think that the world building is quite on par with that of Matsuno's other games. And I think maybe a part of that is of uh, Kawatsu taking over partway through. But I do think, yeah, I'm very much the same opinion of you, Caitlin. I think this is a triumph of Final Fantasy. So I'm really, really thrilled to be playing it again with all the uh, prettying up and the revised job system. and, And that delightful fast forward button that we're all so fond of.
0: Ah, oh, you were a man after my own heart. With your bottom <laughs> dollar, even? Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, wow. Um, so, let's see. For me, I was in Japan on my junior year abroad when the game came out. Oh. Um, in Japan, that oh, is. Nice. So, I, I already had a Japanese PS2, which I embarrassingly bought because I really wanted to play Dyrgy Cerberus. <clears> and <throat> I just couldn't wait. And I kind of regret that. But I didn't regret getting 12 and playing through it in Japanese, even though it was only three years into the language, so I didn't understand everything. I mean, I, I followed enough to, to play the game, but then I, of course, had to buy it again when it came out in the States, and I'm of the mind where I'm always aware of its shortcomings. I, I never try to be one of those people that just, like, whitewashes the problems the game has. But I also can't deny the fact that despite all of those issues, there's something really compelling about the world and the game and even the cast being somewhat weird and and a little weak at times. There's something that I just keep coming back to these characters and this world and this particular uh, iteration of Ivalice in particular that I just, you know, when people say, what's your favorite Final Fantasy?, it's still to this day probably the one that I would say. And I mean, that's hardly surprising because you know, everyone knows I, I go left and right about this game. But I was also really stoked to see it finally get the HD treatment or the the re-release treatment. And Zodiac Age is a brilliant way to reintroduce the game, I think, to people that have played it before or maybe, you know, looked at it and then sort of stepped aside Uh, I've seen so many people who have said that they played the game when it first came out and they didn't like it, they couldn't stand it, and they're coming around on it now and they actually really enjoy it. And whether that's because of the changes that Zodiac Age made or if it's just about You know, people. As we get older and we get, we have more experiences, and we come back to things that we saw or played when we were younger, and suddenly we have a different impression of them because you know, age and experience changes a lot of, of viewpoints over time, Mm -hmm. or both. Maybe it's it's because I mean I don't want to diminish the fact that Zodiac Age is an amazing treatment for this game, especially for really all of us in uh, in the States and in the West, um, if you didn't import the International Zodiac job system, this is your first experience with the job system having been implemented, um, being having to select jobs for characters and being locked into those jobs, and that kind of changes things a lot too. So this sort of moves us into our, our next topic, which is specifically the Zodiac Age. Um, can't really get a, get away from talking about this new re-release because we're all playing it. So let's just go and kind of talk about how does Zodiac Gauge really change the experience? Is there anything that we actually kind of miss from the original? Um, what are your thoughts? Peter, I'll start with you.
1: Um, well, I mean, I've already mentioned the fast forward button, so that basically makes the whole game for me. Uh, like you said, it, it is the first time we, um, we've gotten to experience the Zodiac job system, which is... Um, I think it fixes a huge problem from the original game, um, which was uh, the license board system in the original game was uniform across the whole party, which kind of meant that um, you kind of general had a general, like, these. this is the best way to build your characters. And I know some people enjoy that. I guess it does sort of simplify things, but it kind of made everyone feel a little indistinguishable from themselves other than their, um, their quickenings and whatever. Uh, it's some- the Final
2: Fantasy VI problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. I mean, even and even six, at least you had some like unique elements to them, or you could like twelve. Twelve was probably the most uniform of any game in the series, in my in my opinion, at least. The Zodiac system uh, changes that by uh, it, by forcing you to, to pick a job class, essentially. So there's some classic Final Fantasy classes, um, and some that have been given um, a more evilicy spin, like. Your your time mages or your white mages they're called the ba- they're called battle mages now and that's awesome, but you're locked into that unique license board for them and it kind of forces you to pick and choose and then in the zodiac age you can dual class and it's awesome, also summons aren't useless anymore congratulations swear,
0: <laughs> yeah I've been having fun actually using the espers this yeah, time right? around
1: right because they can like keep themselves alive they all have a heal spell so they can like oh, yeah they really didn't before did they. No, they, they you couldn't ma- give manually control them at all in the original. I don't think, and they would just die like instantly. So you never used the espers, even though there are so many of them in this game.
0: And they're so cool, and and uh, different from the previous couple rounds of Final Fantasy they're, summons that we've had. They're so
1: cool, and they have them um, such interesting lore. And that, that's an, that's a great thing about Twelve. That's an, just going back to like the kind of the history of the game. Like I didn't appreciate at the time when I played this how like well thought out of this game setting and lore. It's amazing. The Aspers all have this kind of cool little like uh, revenge against the gods thing going on, and I'm just like, oh, Matsuno, you poor crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> Were you trying to tell us something? Is Square Enix mistreating you in any way? Show me where they touched you.
2: Oh, I wonder.
1: I mean, he did leave for health reasons, quote unquote.
2: Give Matsuno all the money.
1: <laughs> Bring him back for... Yes. He's coming back for fourteen, but
0: Oh, I can't wait for that, right. I would love though a Final Fantasy Twelve uncut or um you know director's cut version yeah. of twelve. We could see his original vision because it sounds, I mean, like, you wonder how much of the game that we got is actually in that vision, because one of the biggest changes was, of course, that Bosch was supposed to be the main character, and they had to rework that because mm-hmm. of how audiences sort of reacted to that, um, which I also, I find myself wondering, you know, um, Bosch is only 36 years old, he's not exactly old by anyone's standards, but there is sort of that trope in Japanese media, oh, where that's, that's old. Like, if you're over 30, you're old in Japan. Plus, you are
1: kind of, like, marketing the games to a teenage audience. Like, I mean, you know, middle middle and high school age. Well,
0: I do wonder how much that may have changed. I'm not at all keeping up with the trends in anime and, and uh, the games that we do not get that come out in Japan. So I don't know if I have any reason to hope that maybe they might be more accepting of an older protagonist. I Does not course, seem like certainly it. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it's a it's a fool's hope, I suppose. It but, you know, as we get older, I certainly appreciate older characters more and it gets a little bit hard to relate to protagonists that are teeny boppers and you're like uh-huh. oh the only thing you have to worry about is who said what at school and I'm like, hmm,
1: those were the days.
2: I, I said it, it before, I'll say it again. Make another persona game with adult characters.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, bring back the the, the, the detective guy. I was gonna say though, um I actually uh, did have a brief experience with the original Zodiac job system version because a friend of mine um imported it and hacked his PS2 so we could play Japanese games. Yeah, so that was interesting. He had like the special like collector's edition, like Steelbook box and everything. So he was very proud of that, and so he's been pretty hyped about Zodiac because he's like Finally, you all get to experience
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I was... Um, I don't know. I never felt particularly bothered by the sameness of the original license board. I mean, I get the, the the criticism, of course. I mean, I had... All six of my characters had, you know, pretty much every kind of white magic, and they were all healing and, and back and forth, and it was, it was mm-hmm. fabulous. But, I mean, it didn't super bug me, but I definitely feel coming into zodiac Age that i like the strategy that having the jobs and being restricted to those jobs has introduced into the game especially being an evil ease game being uh, you know sort of a prequel if you will uh to tactics um having that sort of job connection and dual jobbing in particular Mm. because that was always a really fun strategy thing when tactics was figuring out how to pair up jobs um, to make the ultimate beast of a character. Um, But definitely with 12, Zodiac Age, figuring out uh, who do I want to have what job to make sure, like, you know, for me it's important that I have most of my characters able to heal. So spreading out the white magic, but then also trying to figure out good combinations of jobs uh, that work well. And then for me, I challenged myself to not only use every job, so that mean, meant that there could be no overlap. Every, you know, every job had to get used, so we couldn't have two people with white magic or two black mages, for instance. I did that But too. I also, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, I also, I tried to pick job combinations that fit the character, fit the lore, uh, maybe fit the weapon that they use. Like, I, I had to make Balthier a machinist, even though he has the slowest... Uh, gun animation because mm. I cannot imagine a ball fear that does not use guns. You can't so, see it but I'm nodding
1: profusely.
0: So I mean that's that's a great, I think, addition to the game. Obviously it addresses the sameness issue from the original game, but it also Brings in that sort of strategy, and you know, it's, it's been great fun to see people theory crafting about the most optimal job combinations, but then also presenting their uh, opinions of what works best from a lore perspective for the characters, and of course, the you know turbo button is a great help it's great that they finally removed that bs with the zodiac uh, spear you know if you pick the wrong item boxes you're screwed out of this weapon that you can't get to until like 30 hours later into the game that's change. great yeah fixing the espers was great if there's one thing that i really really miss though it's that they took away the sky pirates den yeah, from you, the original you and me game. both
2: i was so hyped to see that again and so sad that it wasn't there
0: Yeah. And I mean, ostensibly the reason why is that those were trophies in the original game before trophies were a thing. And this version, Zodiac Age, has trophies. And I suppose they were concerned that once you got those trophies, you would just automatically have all of the sprites in the Sky Pirate Den if you started a new game. Having said that, I think they could easily have jerry rig something where the sky pirate scent isn't linked to trophies and it's rather Mm -hmm. just linked to your progress within that playthrough because that's how the original version had to
2: work
1: you do what diablo 3 does on console 2 where it's like some of them are tied to trophies but a lot of the achievements are just just like there's like there's like hundreds of achievements in diablo but only like a, a like a couple dozen are tied to the trophies
2: so yeah, I think you're only allowed to have so many on PlayStation because I mean, um, Binding of Isaac did the same thing where that game's got something like over a hundred Steam trophies. They've cut it down to something like forty on PS4, but the yeah, rest are just like dry, kind of yeah. internal, yeah. internal screens.
1: And then Undertale yeah. had to like come up with like a bunch of like bogus ones in order to fill it out.
0: But <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. It's a sad loss because that was super cute in the original version, having this little uh, isometric, um, you know, tactics-esque sort of space. And you would get little sprites as you either beat certain bosses or you killed a certain number of monsters or got a certain number of gil. And when you would hover over them, they would animate. It was so cute. So a little private diorama. I, I do... I I miss that and um, but I mean I, that's you know that's the mil- one major loss of this version I I will take it if it means having this beautiful game uh, on my PS4. Was Rob anything you want to add in terms of like Zodiac Age changes, things you liked, didn't like?
2: Um, I mean, mostly you guys have my thoughts are mostly synonymous with yours. One of the other things I miss is the sort of sketch look of the bestiary. But, I mean I guess the trade-off yes. the trade-off is having like the sprites that you can rotate and watch animations of and that's that's a cool trade-off but I like the more kind of it was like you were looking at a grimoire um, previously yes. so I felt like maybe like a little bit of you know a little bit of flavor was lost there but that's such a minor complaint I it's really great to see this game getting a second chance it, it was so divisive at the time and it's like almost like complete positive reception now and that's just so nice to see mm-hmm. and like i'm wondering like if it was a time and place thing because i mean it it came out it originally came out what like a month before the ps3 and then it was like one of the few ps2 games that was incompatible with the backwards backwards compatibility so i think like a lot of people felt soured on that but oh, it was yeah yeah it was one of the few <laughs>
0: Oh, you mean like for the emulated backwards compatibility?
2: No, and the hardware was in it as well.
0: That's weird. Yeah. I've been able to play it on my, really? my fully backwards. Co- yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, it looks like crap, of course. Okay, That's why I don't play it.
2: Maybe but... it was just glitchy and then just not compatible with the emulation.
0: I wouldn't be surprised. There are some weird, like, you couldn't play Tales of the Abyss?
1: That that PS2 version of um of Grandia 2, which is already like a really buggy port, like gets even worse. Oh, boy. Yeah it like loses, loses most of the textures. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's gross. I think, um, I think in regards to Twelve's reception, it's like, and there, I think there kind of is a final fantasy cycle and it's not as pronounced as something like Zelda or Sonic. There's a tremendous amount of hype for the game. When it comes out, it drops. Everyone like starts bagging on it. Like it's the worst thing ever. Series is ruined. And then, uh, rinse and repeat every time a new game comes out but i think 12 in particular just came out at this sort of weird juncture where um i mean since 12 came out we've had games like xenoblade and other like more open real-time rpgs i think that...
2: xenoblade owes a big debt of gratitude to final fantasy 12 although it really does it, yes. you know, it does its own, it has its own spin on it and it's great that yeah, was, 12 like... was the first thing that came to mind when i played xenoblade
1: yeah but is this one of those things where it's like it's weird to think about but maybe for real maybe when 12 came out a lot of people just weren't ready for it like you come off of 10 which is like about as traditional turn-based as you can get and even that was kind of a big departure for the final fantasies beforehand and now all of a sudden you have like real-time combat and these open spaces and this almost shakespearean tone to the story and it just like maybe it was a lot to take in i i don't know i it's it's kind of weird thinking about it back then my 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 like only like real complaint back back in the day was Vaughn is a terrible protagonist and the plot is star wars but i mean that's it's fine that's Final fantasy
2: yeah the, it's star wars they're all star are wars, wars. wars. <laughs> <laughs> star,
1: that's hardly like a, a something to complain about and so yeah it's just yeah it's weird to think about it
0: I think you're onto something, and I think part of the reason why it's weird to look back on it now and think about why the reception was the way it was is because a lot of the things that twelve did it was kind of pioneering, and now those things are commonplace yeah, right. uh, or even expected in games like mm-hmm. the the idea of you know for instance, the idea of no overworld map that you traverse, but you just go from area to area and you have m m o like zones. That's a thing now that is more accepted. It's just like, oh, your game doesn't do that. That's kind of weird. The the real time combat. More and more games are uh, getting rid of the the transition uh, to a you know a separate battle screen and having the combat be on just the same screen. So that's that's a, a thing. I feel like the story itself. People weren't maybe ready for the more serious. Uh, tone of the story, and for it to not have a sort of anime uh, romance subplot, um, because that's a thing that Final Fantasy was doing in every ver- every previous uh, iteration, at least uh, on PlayStation anyway. And I've I've seen comments to that effect, like you know that wasn't what I wanted from Final Fantasy, and that's I feel part of the whole as you get older. You yeah. come back to these things, and you your your tastes change, we like the you know i mean I st- yeah yeah i I still like the games that I played when I was twelve, but yeah. I wouldn't probably have liked this game when I was twelve because I was younger and i hadn 't quite you know uh, uh, matured my tastes enough uh, and, and mature makes it sound like, oh, you have to be mature to enjoy this game, but I, I do feel the themes of the game were of a more. I don't want to say higher caliber, but they were definitely aiming for a bit more high-fancy, serious uh, Game of Thrones-type sort of drama, and that wasn't what people were expecting coming off of, even, say, coming off of Final Fantasy X, a game that was much more character-focused, much more focused on the love story between the characters and, and that sort of typical anime you know, go out and save the world kind of uh, story, right. and I think now that we've experienced things in other games, but also on TV and in movies, that we're kind of a little bit more conditioned to to say, "Hey, this is kind of cool."
1: It's, so. it's funny you mention that because um, you, you remember um, X Play on G four? Yes. Mm-hmm, yeah, th- they gave Twelve a perfect score, and one of their positive mm-hmm. points was no love story. <laughs> 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 I look back on that review and I'm just like, man, Adam Sussler had this figured out like a decade ago. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm not, oh I'm not gosh. adverse to a love story. It's just Final Fantasy love stories no. are usually just no, so ham-fisted and nonsensical.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: But yeah. I, mean, I mean, I
0: love good romance. Um, I.
1: It's fucking yeah. Final Fantasy's best romance is the most understated one in the, in the series. It's like canon. It's Zidane and Dagger. No one ever talks about that one. It's all, swallowing or Noah, and it's like, they're terrible.
0: Yeah, I didn't, that was one of my problems with 8, was I just didn't feel it. But that is okay. that is a conversation for maybe another day. I just we ignored, ignored all that stuff yes, and concentrated
2: on the nice architecture. <laughs>
0: uh, well, so let's move along then. Um, because we are, of course, playing Zodiac Age, and we have to make decisions about who's getting what job, I thought we might want to talk briefly about... What did we end up picking for our cast of characters? What jobs did you end up picking, and what roles do you have? Your your different six. There's only six of them. As soon weird to say six, only six party members, but that's also becoming the norm. Um, what what roles do your do the characters play for you in the game? Rob, you want to go first this time?
2: Yeah, sure. I now that uh, now that it's got this dedicated job system. I thought, you know what? A lot of these games, they try to they try to make the ladies into the healers, and I was not having that this time. Uh, and I've, I've like multi-classed Vaughn to be a white mage as well as a is it shikari? Is that the thief class?
0: Yeah, yeah. or or ninja or something like that. Something
2: like that, yeah. So I've um, I've got my guys, except for Bosh, playing support, and um, I've got my ladies doing some heavy damage. Pinello gets a bad rap. Um, I think maybe rightfully so. She doesn't really seem like she's got much interaction with the um, with the main plot. So um, I've made a conscious effort to make her into like a powerhouse bushy, and she's just like running around assassinating everything with a with a katana. And she's like my main my main tank at the moment. And wow. just, like <laughs> re- recontextualizing that character into being like an unstoppable force, it's giving me a lot of pleasure in this playthrough.
0: <laughs> Man, Vegamn didn't know what hit him.
2: Heck no. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's about it, really. I, I've got everybody um, pretty evenly spread out. I'm trying to use all of the jobs. I haven't decided who I want to be, who I want to multiclass as a monk yet. I, I'm not even sure if I'll use that class. I'd quite like to. Uh, yeah, I've got everybody at least, you know, having one melee class and one um, spell class. But my beef is, I just, I just don't know what I'm doing with these gambits. I'm just constantly like switching <laughs> characters and micromanaging when I really shouldn't have to be doing that, I and mean, it's just because I'm an idiot.
1: I find uh, this is it for gambit setup. I like to um, have charge for all my magic users. I like to have charge as the primary ability. Um, so when they run out of MP, they just automatically like start. Um, they automatically try and get some more. Um, now,
2: see, you, you see, you're smart. <laughs> I would never yeah, have so- thought of that.
1: I think my so my yeah I did that in the original version and I remembered to do that here. So my priority list is like so. Just as an example, you'll have ally hits KO raise as the highest priority, followed by ally hits less than fifty percent cura, followed by ally hits less than thirty percent curaga, and I then after, <laughs> and then and then after that do um self mp less than 10 percent charge that way they'll be healing and raising until they're at the absolute lowest amount of mp they can and then they'll get more mp as soon as they can uh that's and then um put attacking as a very low priority because secretly, com- yeah, secretly
2: coming on this show to steal your tactics <laughs>
1: i'll send you a, i'll send you screenshots of my gambits I'm honestly i think I, I i'm not that i don't think like i'm not like quite as good at like a been maxing out everything like um, I, I i made um what i made basha on a, a, a night and a time mage and i'm just like how do i even make a setup that would make some of the time mage abilities work like useful tough most of difficult. them aren't yeah it's like I, I i really only really the only reason i wanted to make him a time mage was i wanted Histega, and i'm like so yeah. i'm basically just grinding points to get haste and Histega, and it's like well okay i guess he has gravity that's kind of useful sometimes. Ash is a a foe breaker and a white mage, so she can hit things with a hammer and heal people. She's a paladin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Balthier is a machinist, uh, cause guns and a black mage.
2: Oh yeah, me too for Balthier.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good combination. I think because he because then yeah, just and set elemental weaknesses for all his spells. Mm-hmm. It makes up for the slow reload time. Fran is an archer and an Ulan, the the spear user. I'm using her the least because, honestly, I don't really think most. I I mean, I don't really. I I just feel like everyone else does their job better. Mm -hmm. But at least I wanted to keep her as an archer because that's kind of her thing.
2: It's so in line with her character. I couldn't imagine giving her taking away her bow. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So like, even though I'm leveling her up as an Ula, I'm just like, I'm unless I get the Zodiac Spear, I'm never like giving you anything else. Just. Vaughn like... <laughs> is a Bushi and a Shikari, so he can do katanas and ninja swords. Pinello is a Red Battle Mage and a Monk.
2: That um, seems like a good pair of classes for her.
1: Yeah, so she can ca- catch magic and um, cast magic hit things with a mace, and punch things really hard if she decides to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I also don't use Pinet her very much, but I've been trying I've been trying to keep people more evenly leveled. Um, one one of my small criticisms of Twelve I, I never I, I don't I never enjoy games where like um there's no like reserve XP for party mm. members, and I know that's I mean it's kind of nitpicky, but I, I, I so I, I, I tend to uh I tend whenever I'm grinding I try to like switch out my my to, for my lower level characters and try and keep them at an even keel with everybody else. But I do wish that they had, like, a little bit of reserve XP. At very least, everyone gets one license points. So yeah, that's, that's better than nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so you can kind of at least give everyone the abilities they need.
0: My strategy was always, and this was the same with the original version, but also with this one, was to go, like, in spurts of five. So I'll level like one group up to, like, say, I'll, right now I'm right around level 30. So I'll level my current group to 35, and then I'll switch out, and I'll level the other group to 35 doesn't always work out nice and neat with this version because, obviously, specific people have specific roles and jobs. And, like, for instance, I try to make sure that I have someone who can steal in my party at all times Mm -hmm. to to maximize loot drops. Um, And uh, since right now the only three people who can steal are Fawn, Balthier, and Fran, I kind of have to have them in the party a lot in order to do that. And then it's also based on who's got access to uh, the best cure magic. So... Right now, I'm running a party where only Ash can cure, and she doesn't have a multi-target heal yet, Correct. so that's been a little bit tricky. But when I, I when I switch in, say Fran, who is I have her on red battle mage and archer, so she's got some cure, uh, some white magic, and then um, Vaughn, who's my shikari white mage combo. Um, to heal which is uh that's the one little i had to make a concession i was trying to make every job fit the character and white mage doesn't really fit vaughn um it's something that people usually th- i think think to to throw on pinello uh more often but i really wanted pinello to have black magic and to be among because it's the closest job to her actual profession of being kind of a dancer, mm-hmm. so I kind of had to make the concession. And the other, the reason why like, I was originally going to have Balthier be a machinist-white mage, because machinist-white mage is a really good combo. Uh, a lot of uh, going back and forth, uh, machinist benefits white mage, and white mage benefits machinists and whatnot. But... Balthier's kind of a shitty healer because he's got some of the lowest MP and magic totals. He he and Bosh are really kind of the worst mages you could have. <laughs> Although it's not like, well I say worse but it's just in comparison to the other characters and if you're mid-maxing. yeah, There's really no bad job combination in this game and there's really no character that they're really going to suck trying to do either melee or spell casting. But Vaughn's ultimately has better stats for for being a mage so give him white magic i originally i didn't know what to do with balthier but then it it hit me foe breaker is a class that is designed to enfeeble enemies by lowering their their strength or lowering their defense and what is balthier in tactics he has the ability to enfeeble enemies by stopping their ability to attack or the ability to move, so it hit me. Foebreaker breaker on Ball fear with Machinist is like that's him in tactics. That is literally his tactics nice. version. So once I realized that, I was like, okay, that's it. You're you're doing that. Otherwise, I have Ash running Knight and Time Battle Mage um, because she is she has time magic in Revenant Wings, so that's canon there. And I can't really picture using Ash without a sword and shield, just because. Mm-hmm. That's just her for me. Bosh running uh, Bushi and Ulan. Um, bushi is just like you know, he's a samurai. He lives to serve. That is that is the one sentence definition for Bosch's character throughout the entire game. So if I had to make him a a Bushi, and then he he works fairly well as a, as an Ulan, and um, Ulan helps to bolster samurai since Katana requires both magic and. Uh, physical uh, strength in order to maximize its damage, that was sort of my my spread, trying to make sure that every character had ideally at least both jobs but at least one job that sort of fit them either based on the weapon that they are sort of canonly shown to be using or their role you know bosch is a as a loyal knight, so he gets i was going to make him um, bushing a knight, but i I had to, I had to give it to Ash. I just couldn't let her not have swords. So, so yeah. And um, that was that took me a while. I like I had an entire sheet of paper where I had written back and front various different job combinations trying to figure out who I was going to p- put on what job. And then once I figured out the job, trying to figure out what espers I'm going to give people because another sort of nice thing with the license board in this game is that you have various different skills on each board that are locked behind either espers or quickenings. So you have to be strategic about which quickenings you unlock based on the job combinations and then you also have to be strategic about who you give Uh, the espers i mean in the original version it made like no difference who you gave to an esper because they were always on the edge of the board nothing behind them Um, it was just sort of like oh i think that uh, ash should have this summon because reasons i don't know but here you got to think about what do i want to give these characters like for instance uh, monk can get access to some high level healing magic um, so I do actually have Pinello will eventually be able to heal, but most of it is locked behind access to two of the late game espers, uh, Zodiac and chaos. So she won't actually get that until I can beat those espers, but it's the whole sort of planning things out. That was, was really a cool experience.
1: Well, well put. hmm. Yeah. That's always an interesting, uh, that was an interesting change. I thought, um, because some of the quickenings too, um, when in OG twelve, I would try to go for quickenings as quickly as possible. Because you know their limit breaks need to get you know want the better limit breaks. But um, here, and then they
0: would also give you more MP when you unlock
1: them. Yeah, right, right. But in this game, they're they're tied to their own separate bar, um, which I think is an improvement because I don't like drinking oh, yes. MP in order to use them. And they block, like you said, they block off certain skills or weapons or and. But sometimes, um. And then you have to weigh the odds of like, okay, so this this quickening, um, getting quickenings is always sequential. You'll always get the first their the part of the character's first one, their second one, and then their third one. Some of them are more expensive than others. Like you'll so like you'll be like, okay, so you I want Bosch's uh, level three quickening well, I could get it on this tile for only a hundred license points but then i'm going to block off um this weapon so maybe i should go for the 125 license point one instead it's just an interesting little wrinkle to character building that i, I kind of appreciate
0: and i i agree having the uh having the quickenings and the summons be their own separate bar and not tied to your mp was a, a also was a huge change and another reason why it's actually fun to use espers now because i yeah. I hardly ever used quickenings in the original version because I wasn't willing to sacrifice all of my MP to do maybe, you know, a decent amount of damage if RNG was on my side and I was able to do a long quickening chain. That has not changed in the game, and I still find it a little frustrating when you run out of time, but at least you're not wasting any resources by doing it, you build up your, your chain, uh, your your bar to use quickenings and summons by dealing damage and taking damage. So it's, that's a much more natural kind of limit break progression than the original game did. And it definitely, I've been using quickenings a lot more uh, already in this playthrough than I ever did in any playthrough combined of the original version. So I give major props to whoever said, let's do that.
1: I was just gonna say, um, I'm I'm going for the con- I'm trying to get the concurrence trophy, and I do get really frustrated with um, with the time limit and the randomness of quickenings because um, I want how many want- how
2: many do you need for the trophy?
1: Uh, you need to see all of them. You need to see all Wolf. yeah every different one, and the last one I think requ- uh, the 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 last two the best ones require you to get three and four of each kind of quickening uh, sequentially. Well, not like one, two, th- one, 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 two, 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 three, three, but, like, you need three ones, three twos, and three threes in your chain.
2: Uh-huh. And if go...
1: Yeah. But if you go too far over, they'll actually reset, and just... And it'll do a lower level one. So it's, like, you have yeah. to be really specific about it, and, yeah, I'm just, like...
2: I was afraid that you were gonna say it was, like, a 20 twi- quickening chain or something.
1: <laughs> I know, I yeah, cried. I think the highest I've gotten is 13, but... It's it's uh, that's a fr- that's a frustrating little wrinkle. I'm like, I just I want the trophy. Dang it! So <laughs> you have to make this hard? I, th-
2: I think it's still quickenings are still a very baffling system. They don't seem that well implemented. I'm I'm not really sure what they're trying to do with that. Um, but like until you mentioned it, I'd completely forgotten that it was tied to MP before. And like I just like had like a post traumatic stress flashback of just like using <laughs> MP. Um but yeah, it's such a such a great move that they put in like a, a, a limit break bar this time. I mean, quickenings have won me so many boss battles when I've been, you know, at the skin of my teeth um playing Zodiac Age. So um that it, that indeed is a very welcome change and one that I didn't notice until just now.
0: And they can be useful strategy too, because concurrences uh, even the lowest level one will hit all enemies. So you can, you mm-hmm. can. There are strategies for bosses where they start you with uh, a bunch of ads. Like, um, for instance, when you fight when you fight um, Vossler, he's got some buddies with him. When you fight mm-hmm. Judge Bergen, he starts off with a couple of uh, random lowlings behind him that you have to take care of. You can do a quickening chain right off the bat, and as long as you hit three quickenings, and you should, as long as everyone has at least one. Um, you get a, a concurrence, and you can easily wipe out all of the uh, the ads and focus on uh, the boss. That's what I did when I fought Mateus um, in the Social Run of Miriam. Is I just immediately led off with a quickening chain, and all of uh, his little uh, iceling, whatever they were, uh died instantly. So, mm-hmm. but yes, I found um, it very
2: helpful. The end of the Elder Worm fight, where you know you you keep going through those rounds of. Um, worsening status effects when you hit certain yes. thresholds. And when I got down to the last one, I was like, "Right, no, we let's just end this right now." And and just like pulled off a quickening chain and circumvented that whole like final awful leg of that battle.
0: Yeah, it's nice, and it's especially nice when you can do a long one and they do a lot of damage. Sometimes, yeah. you, you know, if RNG is not lucky, uh, you'll you'll pull it off, and it will take off. Uh... A sizable chunk, but it's not, nothing you probably couldn't have shaved off in the same amount of time just by normal attacks. Yeah, I did have an ins- insane luck with the Judge Bergen fight where I did a quickening chain, a really good one, and I one-shotted him. Wow, I I, Him so and sick. all of his little friends. <laughs> I don't know how I did that, but I did.
2: Sick.
0: But enough about game mechanics, let's talk more about the world and the characters. So 12, of course, takes place in Evilise and this is not the first time that we've seen Evilise, but it is, in some respects, one of the most Uh, beautiful renditions of it, you know, of being in full 3D and getting to see uh, all these different sort of biomes throughout uh, the Ivelisse, from the deserts to the jungles to the icing mountains to the swamps. But beyond even just 12, when I think about Final Fantasy and all the different worlds that it's shown us, I mean, Ivelisse is... For the longest time, East was the only world where we had multiple games that were taking place in that same world, and we've, we've sort of, you know, with Ten Two and with uh, with the, the Thirteen trilogy, we've we've had multiple games in the same world. But this is a really interesting thing that Final Fantasy does with East bridging between PS one game to a PS two game to uh, what DS was the uh, GBA, Tactics Advance or GBA
1: yeah gba and oh my US, gosh. It's a sequel.
0: yeah so lots of different games over different systems but all sort of uh tangentially connected as it were by being in this same place so what do we what do we think about evlyse as a final fantasy world is it is it sort of, sort of the best realized final fantasy world in terms of just you know, having multiple games and multiple different takes on that world, or even just the East of Final Fantasy twelve. What do we think about how East is presented to us in Twelve?
2: I don't know if I would go
1: so far to say it's the best realized setting in the series, um, because I'm kind of a, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, full disclosure, I'm kind of a sucker for Seven's world. I think they did something really cool with that for that blend of modern and Fantasy, and I think I've been trying to chase that ever since, and it hasn't worked. With 12, though, I love the more political slant of Mitsuno's work, that kind of more serious, uh, traditional fantasy element he's got going. I love the lore of 12 in particular. I think the fact that the game t- takes such pains to make its world feel so um, richly detailed is nice, even if a lot of that is kind of like tucked away i didn't i i ignored hunting for the most part my first playthrough i didn't go after any of the optional espers i'm doing some of that now um in my zodiac age playthrough and i'm just floored by how much i missed um i'm just like oh my god there's like a whole second game in here <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and as for evil as a whole i do enjoy the setting very much um i do think there's a bit of a missing link in evil i really wish because i'm um, I've seen, like, I've looked at, like, okay, the like the, the unofficial, like, timeline of the series, where it's like, so somewhere between 12 and Tactics, there was some kind of Holocaust-level event that wiped out the Moogles and all these other races. Uh, that's, and,
2: that's like a retcon, really, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, and that, that's, that's the thing, is, like, um, the lease of Tactics is very different from the Ivalice of the lease Alliance games. Um, and 12 is this weird kind of middle ground between the two where it's like and that that and maybe that speaks to the game's development and matsuno leaving i'm not sure but it feels like they were caught between we want to make 12 a serious mature fantasy game with yasumi matsuno and we're making the next number at final fantasy we have to make this as marketable as possible and uh which is how, what led to Vaughn and uh, a few other uh, weird concessions the game makes and um the result is a an interesting blend of the two styles that works, for the most part, really well. But it's uh, still kind of not quite... It doesn't quite gel for me. It, it just... Yeah, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kind of nitpicking, I know. But uh, I do feel like there's a bit of a discrepancy in how the settings portrayed between games. And enough that it bothers me.
0: Well, part of that is simply we had Tactics East and then we came in, you know, uh, 10 years later and had to make another game and it was set before and it was it was we knew it was going to be in the same East, but it couldn't be in the world of Tactics East, So what, what do you do? You have to sort of explain how you've got races like the Sikh and the Banga that are nowhere to be seen in, um, at least in in the original Tactics. You've, so there's there's that. Although, what is that? I never played either of the Tactics Advance. One of them is not an actual, it's not real evil. East. one of them is like a, well, that's
2: the Well, that's the thing. I think that's, that's both of them. How-
1: yeah, that's what's weird about Evil East as a setting to me. This is, this is, I, I thank you for reminding me of that. That that actually kind of hits the nail on the head for what bugs me about it. Um, because the Evil East in the storybook that's in both tactics games, tactics advanced games, is apparently Evil Apparently, no, it actually is the setting of Evil East. They're like transported to the fictitious question mark world of Evil East. And I don't know, it just paints this, it paints the other games in the series. And, like, it's, it's really weird looking at Evil elite as a serious setting, as this is an established Final Fantasy universe with this rich lore and history when two of the games are like self-proclaimed fan fiction.
2: It's really, it, <laughs> it really undercut the setting to like turn it into the never-ending story in, in Tactics exactly. Advance 1 anyway. I Tactics Advance 2 really didn't have that much story if I remember no, correctly. It didn't, it didn't but... at all. I mean, I guess like in true Final Fantasy fashion, you know, the worlds in these games, they're constant. The Final Fantasy is constantly reinventing itself and the evil is setting is no different. It is, you know, it's different takes on this world with shared characteristics across this series of four, maybe five games if you want to count um, Vagrant Story. But I understand that's kind of anomalous and, and that wasn't really intended to be an evil game originally. Although Final Fantasy XII has like the most well realized, like geopolitics driven storyline out of all all of the mainline games, I really was hoping for something more, a, a little bit more along the lines of of Tactics, uh, the original Tactics, or or Vagrant Story, or even uh, Tactics Ogre. You know, I mean, there's the bones of a really um, suspenseful like d- political you know Game of Thrones esque thriller there. And although there there is quite a bit of that and it is quite satisfying, there is also long portions where you're just chasing after magical rocks. <laughs> you know
0: those 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 zodiac stones. Damn them. <laughs> take take a shot
1: every time someone says nethocyte.
2: Yeah, I, I I I can't vibe with the nethocyte in the shards.
1: Nethysite, diafected Nethysite, manufactured Nethysite, Nethysite, <laughs> Nethysite, Dawn Shard, Midlight Shard, Dusk Shard.
2: Body, Blastia, and phonons. Oh
0: Metiphania!
1: <laughs> oh, And
0: then, and then Orbments, yes, thank you, I was just gonna say. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> gonna say Kiseki does it too.
1: To be fair, it is kind of a JRPG thing, and um, I, oh, I yeah. people will be like... For a Matsuno game, you know, the 12 is just the story hinges around magic crystals. And I'm just like, Tactics does the same thing.
2: Yeah, it does.
1: Problem there, too. <laughs> Except, I mean, the, the the Lukavi are at least interesting. I do, I do yeah. think the, the actual plot of 12 is fairly interesting now that I think about it with uh, Ash basically having a magical weapon of mass destruction in her hand. Mm-hmm. Like for most of the game.
2: But, but I, I, the, the acting goes a long way for me, and that really yes. um, makes yeah. me. If, it, it 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 does it does a very good job on on making me very enthusiastic about what is largely a MacGuffin driven plot. Oh,
0: MacGuffins. Oh. It's, yeah, that's that's another thing. It's like that's we can't have RPGs without MacGuffins <laughs> yeah. nowadays. So okay, yeah, let's 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 talk about the cast. We we haven't. In in this playthrough anyway, we haven't played through the entire game, so we can't really – I mean, we can because we've all played it before, but I kind of want us to hold off on talking about the the revelations in the second half of the game um, for those who might be playing along with us, uh, maybe for the first time, um, or – you know, a second. Anyway, but up through like the midpoint of the game, which is where the 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 infamous road trip from hell uh, to get to Arcades happens, um, right at the start of that 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 huge trek. How are we feeling about the cast? And um, in particular, I'm really interested to hear have your opinions about not just Vaughn, of course, but like <laughs> any of the main cast that we've met, even NPCs. Uh, have your opinions changed uh, at all about them since you first played the game?
2: I don't know if they changed so much. To be honest, um, I, I did like this cast very much the first time around. I still do. Um, I don't love Vaughn because I didn't love Titus, and he's like Aladdin Titus, and that just doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> um, however, I mean, you've got such strong characters. Actually, now that you mention it, um, I I really loved Balthier the first time around. And that's no different now. I still love Balthier, but I've kind of realized that um, he's kind of he's kind of meant to be a bit of a doofus that I didn't really pick <laughs> up on before. You know, he's like he's he's got this swagger that he's not as smooth as he thinks he is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't realize that at the time. And now I I still appreciate him very much, but like noticing um, him like not getting it sometimes and like going out of his way to play it cool and, like, try to hide the fact that he's got a more nuanced set of morals that than he pretends to just be, like, the roguish thief. And and, and seeing him kind of, like, grapple with this as, like, maybe a way of coping with a sort of insecurity I think is a very fun way to read his character.
0: Yeah, I'm actually finding I'm liking Balthier a lot more than I did when I first played through the game. I mean, I, I didn't... I didn't dislike him in the original version. Um, I just didn't quite go for his suave swagger that he had going on, and the whole "I'm mm-hmm. the leading man" BS that he would constantly. Which is ironic if you think about it. Even you know, not in context mm-hmm. of the the game world, but just like he's he is not the lead. No, you're not. You're like yeah. the third leading man because Ash and Bosch are. Really more integral to the plot than you are, but well, you you
2: you are a man that's... and you are there.
0: <laughs> yes, I do think that's um, one
1: trick quirk of his I really enjoy though. I think it's a funny gag. <laughs> it is, yeah.
0: Um, but I like Please. him. All, I like him a lot more now. Uh, I don't know what it is if it's one of those things where it's like you know my tastes have matured a little bit. And maybe I'm finding myself a little bit more won over by his his uh, suaveness and of course you know. Gideon Emery could like read the phone book to me, and I would probably be like. <sighs> he has a he has a yes. very smexy voice. It does so. Um, I played this game when I was in college, and I understood the themes well enough. But I also think that I've had some life experiences, and I've had exposure to uh, various different forms of media that have sort of informed my understandings and have made me go back and look at. Things that I used to either really like or not like and sort of give it a second glance. And I feel like I'm kind of doing that with 12. Even though I am like the biggest defender that I know of, um, of this game and all of its quirks and eccentricities, I'm still finding myself uh, realizing things that I didn't quite pick up on. Uh, when I first played the game, and I'm finding myself uh, finding characters like Balthier more interesting than I think I originally gave them credit for. Um, So I I, I think that's, that's neat, even for someone like me, who's like a self-professed, you know, super fan, to be able to come back and say, you know what, that's kind of interesting. I didn't really think about it that way. But now that I do, I can't unsee it. The benefits of time, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Peter, what about you? How awesome are Vaughn's are new uh, new abs?
1: Uh, his new abs are such an improvement. They no longer look like they've been sprayed on. He's He no longer has the Zack Snyder abs, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, so truth be, truth be told, I don't hate Vaughn as much as I used to, although I still strongly d- dislike him. I also play as him all the time because... I just a thing I need to play as the main character of whatever game I'm playing as, and he is who you play as in most of the cities. I think Vaughn and Pinello are both, like, they feel like they'd be side characters in any other game, and their role in the story is kind of truncated. Now I appreciate, like, the perspective that Vaughn offers on what it's like living under Imperial rule at the same time i just don't the, the fact that von even straight up admits half the time it's like i'm just along for the ride it's like yeah why are you still here actually <laughs> it's like your your brother Aven the, the avenge brother plot is i know is kind of his thing but it's also kind of flimsy and, and it's just and just compared to how rich the other characters are like playing it now i love how fully realized characters like Balfir and basha are and their motives are realistic. Their their personas are are varied and complex. They have interesting interactions. Ash is like my girl. She's the best. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't look, I don't. I don't have any great affection for Fran. Um, for for, for uh, female Chewbacca, but I mean, she's there. She's a bunny lady. That's cool, I, I guess.
2: I like her stoic, quite self serious. Um, she's a lady of few words.
1: Yeah, she's like she's. It like, works for you, me. And, her, and yeah, the VR are kind of like evilly elves or whatever, and I, I like her little subplot. Um, uh, that I, think I like I, that that chunk of the story I think is actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh,
2: I like her so voice her, acting a lot.
1: Yeah, her voice acting is great. Yes. <laughs> the really good job with that localization. A A plus is all around. Uh, and this isn't a problem with the localization. I think it's more pro- it's a problem with the game itself. Um, the cinematography and sound quality
0: uh
1: Mm. the the quality of the of the audio itself and um the fact that i think dialogue cuts a little too quickly in a lot of scenes especially those scenes with the judges and Arcades. like they have the best dialogue and and, but their scenes are so brief and cut so weirdly it's like you hardly have time to like get a feel for them like there's very
2: tightly paced yeah maybe a little bit yeah yeah Notice too many problems with the blocking, but um, yeah, you definitely don't have to spend enough time with them,
1: yeah, well, well like um i, I the particular like the scene with um Gibranth and uh Grace, um, oh Drace. yeah, right at right before the Bergen fight uh that scene in particular, I'm just saying they seem like they jumped from three different the scene happens so quickly, and a lot happens in that scene, like. You know, the, the the death of Emperor Grammus and uh, Drace is certainly like being executed on the spot and Gabrant has to do it to prove his loyalty to Vane and all this interesting political stuff. But it's just like the scenes like what a minute and a half, two minutes. I don't know. I feel like that should have more room to sink in. And we've only known Drace for one other scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. She,
2: she really stole that scene. and It really left me wanting more from her.
1: She did, yeah. She's she. Had, yeah. The judges are fantastic. I I would like to spend more time with them. That yeah, that's really my only like real. Problem. I think the secondary characters in Twelve are super interesting, but don't get enough screen time.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably chalked up to the troubled development cycle.
1: Yeah, they they probably had a lot of concepts on the floor that were like, okay, now what do we do with these? I'd love
2: to see the lore
1: bible for that game. Oh yes.
0: Mm, me too give,
1: give me a day Square Enix that's all I need <laughs> <laughs>
2: the
0: The audio quality is just a huge bugbear for me it's I mean it's the one one of the things that I really had a hard time dealing with in the original uh, game because I mean I played the, the Japanese version does not have that issue that, at least not that I recall I do not recall the quality of the, the audio to be as Bad as it was in the original version, and they've they've um, they've done a little to clear it up and have it sound a little bit better. But it's it's ultimately uh, it's a band aid on a much bigger wound that would have required really uh, it would have required them probably re-recording in order to fix. And they can't do that, so they did the oh, best yeah. they could. But it's and it's most pronounced with the ladies, especially in the original version. Anything that Ash or Pinello said sounded like ten times worse than anything the guy said, and it's because of the the higher pitch of the voices sort of exacerbates the problems with the uh, the quality of the, of the recording. And I mean, that's just it's an unfortunate thing. Um, I'm not even sure if we ever got a an actual like plan explanation for why that was. I mean, I think the thing that Comes to mind is that there was more dialogue, more voice acting in the uh, Western version of the game than in the original because all of those little scenes, um, like, say, for instance, where they have just arrived at the Sand Sea and Bosch is telling them how they'll get to Wraithwall's tomb, that isn't voiced in the original Japanese version. It's just a uh-huh. you know, cut, it's just a um, text that you progress through in the game. And there's a bunch of scenes like that where they're voiced in our version and they weren't voiced in the original. And one thing comes things come to mind is that maybe they had to compress the audio more in order to get all that to fit on the disc, which is unfortunate. I still like that those scenes are voiced, but it's unfortunate. And, you know, of course, that space shouldn't really have been an issue with the PS4 version, but again, it probably would have necessitated re-recording in order to really fix it. So... So I mean, yeah, and it's unfortunate. It does sound better, I guess, in comparison, but it is still kind of noticeable when you're playing through the game, especially if you're wearing headphones. It's like ah, uh... yeah, it's 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 it sounds better when you don't have headphones on because you you can't you know headphones you you have that audio right in your ear mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier to hear all the different nuances and the quality of the of the mastering itself. So, yeah, which is why I try to play this game uh, without headphones if I can get away with it.
2: I but. play it a lot on the exercise bike, so, like, a lot of the the more <laughs> um, delicate nuances of the sound is, like, drowned out by my spinning wheel anyway. <laughs> so I didn't notice that the audio quality was quite that bad. and That's something that I would usually notice. But, yeah, I admit that I haven't tried headphones with this game yet.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just it is what it is. So you just have to. It's one of its many eccentricities, I guess you could say, is is uh-huh. the audio quality. I, I definitely I, I get and I, I agree with Peter about the the speed at which some of the cutscenes progress. I mean mm-hmm. that that cutscene in particular is a pretty big offender just because of how many different things are happening and then they just. It's almost like one person says something, and then immediately the next person says, and they may even be talking over each other a little bit. Yeah. And, I mean, on the one hand, I mean, um, I would have to go back and re-watch these scenes in Japanese to to compare. Um, I'm thinking it's still pretty fast, even in Mm. Japanese, um, just because of the way, like you said, the scenes are blocked. But But... I wonder if, you know, the fanciful language that they injected with the localization probably didn't hurt, or probably didn't help, rather. I mean, I don't mm. think that they did it so badly that it that, that contributes and that makes it the problem, but I could see how having to get these phrases into that sort of more old English, high fantasy kind of talk, you know, the, the various different changes they make to... Uh, to grammar or to 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 set phrases in order to make it sound high fantasy, it may have, uh, in you know, affected the the wordiness rather that that's going on there. So, again, I mean, downside, but for that amazing localization, which still to this day, just in terms of like the the quality of the. The script itself, I think, is still kind of the one of, if not one, is still one of the best, you know, uh, high bar gold standards in terms of localize, localizing a script and, and having it localized in a way that enhances the uh, the world building and the lore of the game, and how, and it helps to sort of make it feel more like a, a setting uh, and not just you know not just language that we're using to tell a story.
2: This was um, this was an Alexandra Smith localization, wasn't it?
0: Yes, it was. Oh,
2: he's so incredible. I love him so much. Yes,
0: there have been interviews with him that you should definitely uh, check out if you're all at all interested in the process that went into the localization of this game. That are he's just it's really cool to see him talk about any of his projects, not even just Twelve, um, but the the amount of thought that went into something that you wouldn't really even have, I think um, most of us probably wouldn't have given a second thought, like what, uh, what accents do we want these various different people to have? They, mm. they legit thought about, and that's, that's why in the, in the English version, we've got the, uh, noticeable different dialects for people based on where they're from. So like, you know, there's, there's the British... Um, I don't know my different British dialects. Uh, Rob, you might be able to, to help with that. But there's the sort of the definite sort of British feel to the, the Arcadians. Uh, the Bougerbans are more of a kind of an Indian feel to their, ah, to their, their I, speech. Um,
2: I was actually my, my co-host of my podcast, um, Alva, actually informed me that the Bougerbans do sound Indian, but that is, in fact, a Welsh accent.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Which I, Ooh. Did, I I did not know. So I was very, very surprised to learn that.
0: Interesting. Well, very, well, very I learned something accent. there. But yeah, I mean like that's cool to think that they they thought about this when they were casting when they were recording to have these different people have different dialects and I mean that's just a neat little thing to make the world feel more like a real place cuz that's mm-hmm. that's happens. I mean, you have different dialects in different areas. So, and we were talking about Fran and how they specifically wanted her to have kind of an Icelandic uh, sound to her voice. They, they uh, Bjork gets mentioned by name um, in some of the interviews I've seen as sort of an inspiration oh, for, really? for her voice. Yeah. yeah. So wear it on their sleeves. So I mean, it's just it's cool. And I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with the the Japanese uh, voice acting. I quite like it. And there are actually there are a handful of voices that I do kind of still prefer in the original Japanese. Um, I love Bosch to death, but there's parts of me that actually I feel like um, Keith Ferguson was a little too gruff sometimes, Uh, and that, again, that might be part of the audio quality rubbing in, because I'm sure that exasperates that kind of sound more, but the Japanese voice acting is great, it's beautiful, it's still good, but it doesn't have that sort of element that they threw into it that sort of actually... Aids the lore and the 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 the, the mm-hmm. setting of the game by simp- something as simple as say let's have this person talk a different little differently than that person.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I say this, and it's been a long time since I've played the Japanese version, so maybe my memory is, of course, a little bit, a little bit out of whack. This, but this is a what I um, call.
2: This is an observation that I've heard from from numerous other people about the Japanese version that, like, it it really didn't do the dialect thing, and that is is an edge that that Alexander Smith's localization has over it, or so I've heard.
0: Yes, so it's good. It's it's very good. There, you know, audio problems and wordy cutscenes aside it's good so i mean this is i think the subtitle for final fantasy 12 is it's good but you know there's uh, there's always little caveats with this game is that it does great things but then there are other things in which you're kind of like and maybe that's just kind of like that's final fantasy for you in general because you could probably say the same about for sure every other final fantasy yeah
1: pretty much I'm uh, I, I'm looking over, just looking over some stuff from the game too, and I, I forgot about Alcid for a second, and I'm just like, how are you? Why are you even in this game? Ezio. <laughs> oh god, he's terrible. His de- he's so
0: flamboyant. His <laughs> design
1: <laughs> is terrible. His design is terrible. Like, why does he have sunglasses?
0: Why? Well, yes. Why?
1: Why does he have? But like, that's that's uh, It's so out of place. And then his voice like changes every line he speaks. But I do wish we got to see a little bit more of Rosaria, because they're kind of just the other empire that exists so we can have a war. Uh, alas. I, I, it
0: would have been cool if, like, since you go to Arcades, it would have been cool that you would also go to Rosaria and see Rosaria. Yeah,
1: but... like, El-, El Cid shows up and is like, hey, we gotta we gotta d- d- discuss the d- terms of the, 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 the thing. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Time's a-wasting. Yeah, overall, I, may, I agree with pretty much everything you guys have said. I think 12 is a a wonderful game that has a few chinks in the armor, but like it's clear that a lot of love and attention to detail went to this game. And like, given Final Fantasy's uh, penchant recently for uh, tumultuous development cycles, it's kind of a miracle it turned out as good as it did. Because <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, we could have had another another thirteen or another fifteen where it's like, uh, yeah, this <laughs> is, uh, these are these are fun games and all. Shut up, they're both fun.
2: Yeah, this 12 feels so cohesive in comparison to, you know, as you said, 13 or 15. Yeah. There's, there is a consistent world there, whereas, well, 13 is really kitchen sink between that trilogy, and then, yes. and then 15 is just a few games stitched together. So <laughs> 12 yeah. feels very, very whole in a way that I guess if mainline Final Fantasy hasn't since. I can't weigh in on 14. I haven't played any of that. But, I, you know, I, I hear wonderful things from all of you. Oh, you should. I know, I downloaded the trial, and I made a Lollafell, and then I got overwhelmed, because the world oh, the world was so big, and I was so small, I just had to turn off the PlayStation and cry myself to sleep.
0: You you made a potato.
2: Yeah. Was, <laughs> I punched potatoes. <laughs> what?
0: I'm a member of Mikote Master Race, so, you know, no, I, I take that back. We are... We're not the master race. We just apparently we uh, reproduce like rabbits, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, there's there are probably way too many cat people in fourteen. Like, sorry, but cats are the best.
2: You don't die; you multiply.
0: Uh, I guess, Baby's like, kids? we're cats. We have nine lives, <laughs> yeah. right? So, but that's a different game. Although, I think there's an interesting comparison to to make between twelve and fourteen. But that would probably be a different podcast and we've we've talked uh, a lot already i think about 12 and we still have more to, to talk we have we'll have another episode coming up once we have beaten the game and so we'll have mm-hmm. some end game story character final thoughts we'll talk about side quests and got to get all those got to catch them espers all of them i need to have all of them and of course if we're brave enough maybe we'll even talk about killing um, the optional super bosses that the game has Um, But that will be on our next episode, so please look forward to that, as Square is so fond of saying. (laughs) Um, So to close out the episode, I want to, of course, give a big thanks to Peter and Robert for joining me. Thank you you for hosting. Um, So, uh, some short little wrap-up news. Uh, Obviously, this is episode 101, so uh, Retro recently hit episode 100. Yay! I I would, like, clap, but it might sound like you might... I don't want to be like, you know, ah, too loud. So, so yes, retro is 100. Um, if you haven't checked that episode out, please do. It's, we've got a lot of people uh, that were on that episode to just sort of gush about how much we like retro and how much fun it is. So please do check that out and just, you know, it's, an, it's a, it's a nice milestone to say we're now hundred.
2: Um, Life begins so, at hundred.
0: Right? like 100 <laughs> is the new 30. Is what I'm hearing, I guess. That's a, that sounds like
1: a Final Fantasy game for you.
0: Oh yeah, that would be amazing if everyone's like over a hundred years old.
1: Yeah, you thought you thought Bosh was too old? Think again. <laughs> it's about revenge.
0: The first boss is just getting out of bed and getting to your front door, and then the next boss is trying to stay awake past like. 8 p.m. at night the
1: the victory theme plays if you don't break your (laughs) head
0: that would be fun but retro encounters 100 awesome we have finally decided on the october game it's going to be shin megami tensei digital devil saga so look forward to that in october roll
2: up embryon Uh, assemble
0: yes (laughs) it should be good um, as as always, you can get in touch with us any one of a number of ways. You can email us at retro at rpgfan dot com. Send us your thoughts, your uh, suggestions. If you are playing Final Fantasy Twelve along with us, feel free to you know talk about anything really. Um, talk about how awesome Fons' new abs are, and uh, what you think maybe of say the new reorchestrated music, which we didn't talk about this episode, but I am going to make sure we talk about it next time. You can, of course, also chat with us on the boards, um, talk with us there, and chat at us on Twitter and the social medias. And uh, real quick, guys, where can people find you on, say, Twitter?
1: Uh, You can find me, uh, Peter Driesenberg, at I Have Fury on Twitter, same as my board name on the boards. And you can get exclusive access to my inane thoughts on the latest Game of Thrones episode or something, I don't know. Rob, what about you?
2: You can find me Maxin and Relaxin on Twitter dot com at misanthrobob. as always.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Leon Cazero. I know I pronounce it weird. I don't even know why. I think it was just because I was like ten years old and thought it was cool. Leon Cazero, same name on the boards, of course. Um, and finally, you know, as always, please uh, subscribe and review us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We'd love to have more people listening to us and we love to get your thoughts and uh you know it helps other people find the show and and play along with us and that's really the point and the goal and the fun part of the show is being able to play awesome rpgs and talk about them with with awesome people so do all those things play more final fantasy 12 if you've been playing along with us and join us for our next episode where we wrap up final fantasy 12 and good night
1: peace everybody Ta don't listen to Andor's lies.
0: I'm Bosch von <laughs> Hansenberg of Dalmasca.
1: Bosh lives. <laughs>